Welcome back, everyone, to the Spoonful of Sugar podcast, which is brought to you in partnership with America. The title of today's episode is On Air and On Your Side, or as we informally call it, They're Hurdles, Not Brick Walls, Overcoming DON's Biggest Challenges. We do hear you. I'm Jim Berklin, Executive Editor of McKnight's, and I'm here co-hosting with TJ Griffin, the Senior Vice President of Long-Term Care Operations and Chief Pharmacy Officer for Farmerica. We're recording live on the floor of the Exhibition Hall at the 2022 Nadana Annual Meeting in exhilarating New Orleans. As a result, our special guest hardly needs any introduction. We're thrilled to have one of the foremost long-term care nursing experts around. We welcome Robin Arnakar, President of Nadana. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. In a moment, we're going to discuss with Robin some of the biggest challenges nursing directors are facing and overcoming today. But first, I have to say, TJ, New Orleans, it's really kept or at least brought back its lively life, hasn't it? Oh, even even the sidewalks have culture here. You know, they say you feed your soul in New Orleans and... You do a lot more than that. You feed and drink and just have fun. You definitely feed your belly. There's no doubt. Well, we all know that from the beignet table that we've been seeing, right? And (laughs) so no apologies there. So uh, I'd really like to jump into this because we have some great things to talk about. Robin, the other thing I was going to say is this is really a great place to attract some of the top nurse management talent in the country for a lively annual meeting. Haven't you found? It is. There are a lot of people out there recruiting nurses and directors of nursing, but this is also a great place for directors of nursing to come and, and meet with those partners that are really there to support them. And we have lots of vendors here that are supporting our directors of nursing. And it's just a great opportunity for you know our directors of nursing to come together and support each other. I, I find that, uh, I think both you might agree, that coming through the pandemic, we're not over with it, that people are being cautious and it's, it pays to be in person, doesn't it? Oh my God, it does. And we do see, you know, people are starting to come out again. Our vendors showed up in masses this year. Um, our directors of nursing, despite what's happening in the buildings, we know there were a lot more that wanted to be here, but they really showed up, um, not just in numbers, but in spirit. They are just so excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the renewal. I mean, we're going through a period of renewal and getting together and talking about what we've all been through, getting that emotionally together is really, really important, and that's why this event is so fast. It's, it's a bridging period, I think we found. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover, including some very interesting results from a DON survey we conducted just for this broadcast. So let's dive right in. So as all of us involved in long-term care are painfully aware, staffing shortages, especially nurse staffing, has been the elephant in the room. We conducted a survey of DONs this spring and, among other things, asked, how do you expect staffing challenges to change in the coming year? About a third, 32%, said they thought they'd be about the same. That's not necessarily a good thing, unfortunately. But then nearly half, 49%, said things were likely to get much worse or a little worse. That left 19% saying conditions will get either a little better or much better. Now, let's not belabor the obvious, but 81% saying stay the same, which is typically pretty bad, or will get worse. Robin, what does that tell you has to happen? So, you know, um, someone I work with says hope is not a strategy. So the first thing we do, um, uh, besides hoping that we don't go through another pandemic, which is also a possibility, you know, because then all bets are off. But, you know, hope not being a strategy. I think we just got to get creative, you know. And this is where I say to our directors of nursing, let's sit down and look at if we can't get nursing staff, who can we get to support 
the nursing staff. And maybe it's non-nursing staff, you know, because there are a lot of things that nurses and aides do that don't require a nurse or an aide to do them. You know, making beds, serving trays, you know, that would conserve the staff that we have to do the things that we need the nursing staff to do. So I think we need to get creative. Let's look for who we can get when we can't. We're all fishing from the same small pond. There's only so many people to go around. So I think we just got to get creative. No doubt about that. Now, another survey question brought pretty similarly pessimistic views, I would say, on the topic of regulation. We asked, how do you expect regulatory oversight to change in the coming year? 79% said it'll either get a little worse or much worse. Just 13% said stay the same, while 7% thought things would get a little better. I haven't met any of those 7%, by the way, around here, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Robin, what do you think weighs heaviest on DON's minds here with regards to the regulatory picture, and what can be done about it? I think the biggest thing is if if we think back to pre-pandemic, the regulatory burden, I'm going to use that word, that was upon uh, skilled nursing facilities or or assistant living or or whatever long-term care arena we work in was really heavy. That burden was already there, and that's with better staffing than we had. We had more tenured DONs. A lot of people were exiting the profession for a, a, a myriad of reasons. But I think the big thing... I think the big thing is really um, the regulatory burden before the pandemic and then you add on everything that was brought into play because of the pandemic and it's just that piling on effect and you know what can you really do about it uh, we have to comply i mean you, you know you have to meet the regulatory requirements but again i think it goes back to getting creative you know testing is going to be an everyday part of our life pandemic is going to be an everyday part of our life but we have to get back to normal we had a whole plate full of things that we were trying to address before the pandemic and we got to go back and we got to pick up those pieces and we have to kind of do an assessment and find out what are our biggest risks and start addressing them and chipping at them just one thing at a time. We're not going to be able to eat the elephant, you know? You're just going to have to chip away at it. And I think just, again, gathering up your resources, knowing who your partners are, you know, um, partnering with your associations, if it's not Nadana, another professional association, because there's strength in numbers and many hands make light work. So we just going to have to look to all of our partners to kind of start chipping away at all these things that were already there and then the regulatory burden that's been added to because of the pandemic. Absolutely. TJ, what are the biggest issues here as you see it and what can be done if you're someone here among the nursing crowd? Yeah, you know, one of the things I've learned through the pandemic is there were a lot of waivers that we were given to fight the pandemic that we need to band together and work together to make permanent. The TNA issue, how do we build a pipeline of caregivers? And uh, when the public health emergency is over, your TNAs will have four months to get to CNA status or they have to start all over again. So one of the areas that we're all working together with both vendors and skilled nursing facilities is uh, working on uh, HR 7744, which will help give us 24 months to expend on getting those TNAs trained up. And that's the non-clinical staff and it gives them a pipeline to becoming a licensed caregiver, a CNA, gives somebody a a career pathway. And that's, that's how we have to continue to get creative. And there are other other areas that we can make permanent. Your pharmacist coming into a facility to give a shot, that ends in a skilled nursing facility when the public health emergency ends because we've been given special waivers to do that. So we're working to make that permanent too because with the staffing shortages, who better than your pharmacist during flu season could come in and do your flu shots for you. So 
we'll need the PAT uh, waiver to, to continue, and that's one of the things we're fighting for. Yeah, I think the urgency is going to continue, and that's what everybody has to remember, whether there's PAT attached to it or whatnot. And so, right. So we have to see now, there is good news out of the survey that we did. I must point that out. A whopping 87% of respondents said they feel either very respected, 48%, or somewhat respected, 39%. We found similarly high uh, numbers in previous McKnight's polls, by the way, so that's, that's a great sign. It hasn't flagged. Robin, what does this mean among the ranks to you? Oh, it, it means everything. I think, you know, nursing, you know, in, in lots of national polls, nurses have always, or for many years, um, been one of the most trusted professions in the country, and, and rightfully so. But, you know, um, the respect of our staffs that work with us and, and of our leaders that work, you know, I'm going to say above us, that people that we report to, having their respect, it means everything. And our administrator support. I mean, I look around this conference hall, and there's a lot of uh, nurse leaders here and they've got the support of their administrators to continue their education but there are you know 300 of us here gathered around but there are 3,000 of us that aren't here and and you know the respect that goes along with you know that partnership of an administrator and a DON and getting the support of our administrators one of my favorite quotes ever is you know and I, and I think about a administrator director of nursing like a de facto facility marriage right and one of my favorite quotes ever is the goal of marriage is not to think alike but to think together and that administrator and DON really thinking together one really you know shows the, the facility that you work in that there's there's a team and there's a respect for each other and therefore that respect is given to the staff and it's given in return so you know that 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 respect that's really what creates um, good facilities and gets good outcomes for our residents which is what we're really all in this for I would say that's kind of a, a unique math one plus one equals three not just two. that's right, right. that's right to do something like that so well, outstanding. I wanted to touch on another survey question, too, because we asked, what's the preeminent leadership challenge facing DONs in long-term care today? Now, no mysteries there. Staff development led at 39%. Close behind was managing the team. Uh, now, guiding change can be somewhat related. It got nearly 20% or about one of every five respondents, of course. Rounding out the field was providing inspiration at 12%. So Robin, what can you tell us? How can other people and entities help DONs manage their teams better? I think that's some of what we talked about a little bit earlier. Right. I mean, I think when you look, go into facilities, they see administrator and DON as, you know, the parents of the facility. And, and just like in any family, you're looking to your parents for guidance. But I think we got to look around our, our facilities and our communities and say, what other leaders do we have out there? I mean, we have our interdisciplinary team. We have our social workers. We have our housekeeping leaders. We have our dining leaders. We have our informal leaders amongst the ranks, the nursing assistants and so forth. And we need to really pull them all around the table, give them a seat at the table, a voice at the table, because they will go back and they will carry our message. And that was the real key to getting folks vaccinated, was getting the head of housekeeping to get all the rest of housekeeping to do it. Your head cook, uh, all of that worked together. When they saw the most respected person in each unit, that's how we got the buildings vaccinated. And that, that was really important. And it is. And we need that moving forward. Flu vaccinations, you know, it's not too soon to start talking about that. It's going to be here before we know it. And getting people that you trust, because uh, there's a lot of myths out there about vaccinations. And when somebody that you trust comes to you and asks you to do something, you are more likely to do it. And that goes to whether we're training or educating our staff 
or anything that we're trying to do in, in the building, auditing, you know, infection prevention rounds, whatever it is that we're doing, it doesn't fall to just one person. We're a team. I don't think we can talk about respect too much. You know, all of us as vendor partners, we owe it in our communities to tell everybody that we work with how hard these nurses and these teams work in these facilities. You know, too often all we hear is some of the negativity, the negative stories, but we don't understand is these, these people worked 24-7 for 24 straight months and saved our, our greatest generation. And we have to continue to tell that story in our community. You have to tell it at church. We have to take the narrative, and that's, that's how we can partner together to really help this industry from a, a reputation standpoint, is just continue to tell what a calling it is. And it is a calling that Robin and all of these directors of nursing have to take this profession to the next level. What I was going to say, too, TJ, latest numbers I've seen, I think got over 90% for the vax rate, was it for SAP? Can you, can you elaborate what your understanding is of that? You've yeah. been right as a forefront. So it's 95% for every eligible person over the age of 65. So, so our residents are vaccinated. That's why you can see the case rate is just de minimis. The staff rate is not quite 95%, but it's right. in the high 80s now, where it hovered in the 50s, and so that's, it's that's really, right. really good. So we're well prepared for whatever new variants come our way. God forbid there's another pandemic of some other variety. We've learned a lot, but you know, we'll make it through. I mean, we, we, we will find a way, and we will continue to partner together to do that. But vaccines, there could be another booster round again. You know, it just kind of depends on what's floating out there. Well, I think, Robin, you, you've opened up kind of a new can of an old topic, flu shots. We just reported at McKnight's that there may be added regulatory burden coming up that CMS is looking at, you know, now that we've got this other uh, covid vac stuff down, why not do it on other things, too? I was wondering your thoughts on that, just from a practical point of view, Robin, and of course, I know, TJ, you might have some thoughts. So uh, I, I assume we're talking about mandates here. There are some states that already have flu mandates, but just like the, the mandates for uh, COVID vaccination, there will always be uh, religious or medical exemptions tied to those mandates. But I do think people don't like being told they have to do something. I think people need to be empowered to make the right decision, whether it be for their own reasons or for, honestly, a lot of our staff roll up their sleeves to protect our residents. And I think we do this all the time. We do a lot of things to protect our residents that we care for because we care about them. And so I think we need to get together as, and we talked about this at our corporate leadership council last night, you know, we need to get together and talk about how do we get the message out there to the staff so that through through people that they trust, you know, to, so that they understand it's okay, you know, because I know if I go to staff that trust me, they know I'm not going to ask them to do something that's going to harm themselves. And even myself, a personal story, you know, when COVID vaccinations first came out, anything that you put in your body, you have to do a benefit risk analysis. And I had to take that personal step back and go, do I want to put something that was developed so quickly into my body, you know, and who knows what the effects might be. And then I sat and I thought about it and it came down to my chief medical officer and my vice president of employee health for my company they have my best interest at heart and they wouldn't ask me to put something in my body that they thought would harm me. And I think that, that rings true to whether it's a staff nurse going to an aide or a housekeeping manager going to a housekeeper or whatever. That trust, they believe in the, the message that's coming through the people, not necessarily, unfortunately, with, with the science or the vaccine or any facts that we might throw at them. It's about the people. 
TJ, what do you think we're looking at for a flu season coming up here? Well, as we unmask, yep. we're already seeing flu in a time when we would not normally see flu. Yep. But I can tell you the last two years, we, we would normally, as a pharmacy, dispense thousands and thousands of doses of Tamiflu. Uh, we dispense virtually nothing. So that means the PHE, the masking, all the infection control things we talk about all the time, they actually work. There was no flu season for two years. But we're seeing it now in the middle of the summer because what's happened? Uh, We're unmasking. We're getting not as good with uh, all the other cleanliness items, you know, as as a society. So we risk having a pretty good flu season, I think. And we'll see, you know, how Australia does and we'll see what's going to happen. But as we unmask you start spreading the germs again. So it's, it's possible it could be a pretty good flu season. Well, it's one of those things that CMS has been telling us. You're going to have to get your eye back on the ball, whether it's regular surveys again or whatever. And, you know, now we're going to see COVID's not going away. And it used to be flu was the story, right, going into the fall. So we're going to have to keep our eye on that. So let's get back to our survey a little bit, though. There are some other issues we definitely want to talk because we have our duo in crowd here, is that uh, some of the other things we asked about, what keeps you awake at night? And I know we're going to get some nodding heads here, but wanted to get your opinion on some of this, Robin, a government over reach and hostile regulatory environment, ever-changing regs. I saw that mentioned numerous times. Double reporting. I think we talked about that. Okay, those are problems. What can we do about it? Well, I think, again, we have to meet certain regulatory requirements. There's no way around it. It's how we get our funding. It's how we keep our licensure. Um, so, and, you know, um, we're a resourceful group, administrators and directors of nursing. I don't want to, you know, forget my administrator friends out there. They work very hard, just like my nursing colleagues. And we always find a way. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing we can do is try to get as much clarity as possible as to what this really means, because we've seen some messaging that hasn't been as clear as we would like when CDC says something and CMS kind of interprets it and kind of pulls the trigger on it before they really aim. No disrespect to CMS, but that has a lot of downstream effects for us. Because when we hear that we have to be in compliance with something, we start acting. And, and we don't want to waste the time and resources that we have acting unnecessarily. So um, is it overreach? We elect our officials to, to do a job, and they have a job to do. And ultimately, they have the same goal we do, protect our seniors or our residents in our long-term care facilities. So we will find a way to do it. We just want some clear messaging, clear guidance, so that we know what we're dealing with. Um, and so we can do it effectively and not waste our time. Well, be careful for what you ask for, as they say, right? I, I, rumor has it that there will be lots of guidance coming or lots of messaging. So we'll see what CMS has up its uh, sleeve. Now, one thing that we've kind of skirted around in a lot of ways, a lot of times, is a lot of uh, respondents on the survey talked about my mental health. Boy, there's a lot that can be said about that. But what can we do going forward to help DONs? So, you know, Saturday night we had a president's roundtable during our conference, and it was the president's for the state Nadana chapters. And we really just took the time to kind of talk. And a lot of feelings came up, and, and the words PTSD and trauma and the things that they've seen, and there were a lot of tears shed. And then that conversation turned to 
support and hope and courage and and great stories of what we've overcome. And I think that's what needs to happen. I think we need to have forums to kind of talk about it, whether it's professionally with mental health provider or if it's just with a colleague. You know, I joked that I joined a DON association because it was somebody that would that make me feel normal. Like what, what I was going through wasn't unique to me. So there is strength through these numbers and through these halls of this exhibit hall where we get to support each other. And to my administrators and DON colleagues that aren't here, that aren't part of a group like this, reach out, connect with other leaders because we get it. You know, Nadana, we say we understand, but we're not the only ones. They're, they're out there. We're out there. We want to help each other. And I think just talking through it and knowing that we're all in the same boat and helping each other, I think that's it. Well, I see a guy nodding his head next to you there, and I, yeah. I think he comes up from a different angle, right? I, I think bit. it's just so important that all members of the team have a chance to talk. You know, take a coffee meeting and get the regulatory stuff out of the way quick and then just have a session. Let's just take, you know, what are we feeling? How, what's the feeling of the building? What's the feeling of the residents? What's the feeling of the staff? And how can we work together to, to make them all feel comfortable and, and happy again? Because I know, you know, residents are, have the same kind of feelings that the, that the staff does, and it comes from a, 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 different, a different perspective. But we've found that we're, we're doing that in the pharmacies. We're having those discussions, town hall by town hall, just in the pharmacy so everyone can talk through it because the pharmacies went to work every day through the whole thing as well. And uh, not nearly like, like our partners in, in the facilities did, but uh, it, you know, we're having more talking sessions so that everyone has an opportunity to get it off their chest. I think that's just having that is important. Well, it is. And, you know, I always was a firm believer at, you know, when I, as a director of nursing, the way I treated the staff that worked with me would be the way that they would treat the residents that they worked with. And if I give, to your point, the staff the opportunity to vent and express how they're feeling about what's been happening and what their ongoing fears or concerns are, then the staff are going to do that with the residents as well. Right. And everybody starts really kind of talking about it. Okay, very good. One other thing that was brought up in the survey, and I wanted to touch base, and uh, we'll talk with our time remaining here, is survey issues. Uh, we've been told it's part of the normal we're getting back to, and it may seem like piling on, but then again, everybody agrees we've got to try to get back to normal. What do you suggest, Robin, to your peers out there how to handle this? I don't know if I'd say added pressure, but uh, it's additional, isn't it? It is, and just like we talk about you know, person-centered care and that each person that we care for has a unique care plan, each community or facility or de- nursing department or, or, or other departments within in the facility will each have their unique challenges and regulatory challenges that they know are out there. I think it's now the time to kind of sit down and gather our thoughts, put it on paper, where are our risks, whether it's infection prevention, regulatory you know, all the above, where are our risks? And sit down and put a plan in place. We're nurses, we know how to write care plans based on risk, you know, so we need to sit down and we need to identify where the areas of risk are, actual or potential, write those plans out and come up with a realistic plan to address each one of the areas. What I've found uh, with surveyors is if you've self-identified, that's what a QAPI process is for, you self-identified, you have a plan in place, they understand a little bit if you are working towards it. I would just say, 
Utilize your vendors like you've never utilized them before. Come ask us to do things that you've never thought a pharmacy would need to do before, or your medical director team, or your nurse practitioner team. What, what have I taken on myself that maybe my consultant or the pharmacy team or med surge that, that they could help us with that we've never asked them to do before because we stand ready to change our processes and, and, and help. That's what we're here for. So utilize your vendors in interesting and come to us with, the, you know, we would love you to do X, Y, or Z. Now, one of the things we've been talking about is creating a, a, the Tesla of med carts. We're like thinking of trying to do a, an autonomous med cart, make it easier for nurses to, to do med pass. But what, what are those interesting things you can think of in that plan that you can go to your vendors for and say, we need help with this. We've never asked you for this before, but what could you help us with? And we'll be there for you. C coming together and talking some more, just like you said earlier, talk about your value add. And that's what we've really found with this podcast, this edition. I'll tell you, we're just about out of time today, but I want to give a big thank you to Robin Arnakar, the president of Nadana, for being our guest today. It's really been a pleasure, Robin. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Well, that does it for another edition. I hope you can join us next time. TJ, it's going to be tough to top this one, but I know you'll be up for it, right? We're all jazzed up. Oh, okay. We may not be in New Orleans, but we'll be jazzed up okay. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to America, whose generous support made this presentation possible. To learn more about ways America can deliver world-class pharmacy services to your organization, we invite you to visit them online at www.farmerica.com. Along with T.J. Griffin, this is Jim Berklin wishing you good health and outstanding days ahead. See you next time. Take care.